Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. It has been uh, a couple weeks since we visited with you last. Nebraska was on spring break, so we felt like we deserved a spring break too. But uh, now we're back to talk Nebraska football. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined as always by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. Gentlemen, you can see the grass outside and a lot of leaves because I didn't do a very good job this past year. How did it, did it feel like we're fully into spring football now that the snow is gone? Yes, and we're getting to that second level of uh, talking points for spring. We're past leadership. We're uh, we're on to the we're on to the who's making a move portion of spring. I think it's been weird because last year it was set up better because they had the one practice and it was like oh that didn't even really count. Then they came back and it was like a full fledged spring. Here you had the six practices and the first week, aside from that session we had with the assistants, we didn't really have access to the practices. So basically people got two days worth of coverage of, and now now it feels like we're off and running. Yeah. For a shortened spring ball. Yeah, I think that's fair. I um has there been a position group that you've learned about that has changed your opinion one way or the other here since we started talking to the coaches at the beginning of March? I guess I'd say the D line. I just think they for the first time since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten, look like a Big Ten defensive line as far as size. And that's kind of uh, a scary thing when you think about it. It's taken this long for Nebraska to get there. But the first time we went out and actually looked at them on the practice field, take Darian Daniels away. I mean, obviously he's a big man. But everybody around him just looked like so much different than maybe even a year ago. And I thought, okay, they finally got the look of a group that can line up against Wisconsin and Iowa. Now, whether they can do it, you know, and when it counts, we'll see. But they at least have the uh, the body mass where you don't feel like it's, uh, you know, the big kids against the small kids out there. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know if there's anybody that, you know, I've really changed my pers- – I mean, maybe the offensive line. I mean, I, and I don't know if that's even – valid at this point because you know we were kind of talking before the spring started about you know do you move guys around do you have um you know a situation where you know maybe farniok's moving into guard you know how's that going to shake out and you know it, it feels like when you talk to greg austin he feels pretty confident in that group he's got and i don't think that he's the guy that would really just say yeah i'm confident if he wasn't actually confident um you know the the question mark for that group is still you know who's going to be your center you got Cameron Jurgens, uh, who didn't go to Panama City Beach uh, like Schaefer did and you've got Farniok you've got Hunter Miller that's there I mean Trent Hickson maybe in the mix I mean that that's the big question for that group I think they're going to be better next year for the same reasons that the defensive line's better I think they're going to be stronger able to move guys a little bit more but to me the the I feel better about it, but the big question mark is still that center center spot. I like that Cam Jurgens had the same spring break situation that I did in college, where <laughs> you went home to your mom and dad, basically, or you just stayed in state. Yeah. And you heard stories of these other kids who were putting sun tan oil on people and stuff, and they were having a great time in Mexico, and I was, like, you know, eating at uh, Chili's with my mother. So... <laughs> That's pretty good, though. I'm <laughs> I, didn't, sure. I didn't complain if she paid for it. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I liked it. Uh, 
good for good for Cam sticking around and made Greg Austin come in every day and work with him. And I, I think he's trying to play catch up right now. Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, the the spot for me, I guess specifically, it, it's really one of two things: it either be the inside linebackers or safety. Um, and I'll just go with safety because I, I feel a little bit stronger there. Travis Fisher, I mean, spoke really highly of Deontay Williams when he had his sit down uh, with the round table with the assistants at the beginning of the spring. Nothing has changed there from what we've heard from the guys on the field. Deontay's having a really nice spring. The, the other name that has come up, and I think he's going to speak, you know, really probably for the first time in close to a year, is Markel Dismuke is going to talk probably on Wednesday. He's had a really good camp, too. His name has come up, Travis Fisher. Uh, I asked him about it and, and wrote about Markel, and he's uh, really kind of changed, I guess, physically. He's bigger, he's faster. He took to heart the idea of the second year with this strength and conditioning staff to, to get him better, uh, to get him in a better place physically on the field. And then he took a big step mentally off of it, and he's been kind of held as a leader in that room, which is really interesting because he hasn't played much but because of his time, I guess, and he is sort of an old man in that room, uh, in his fourth season now, um, going into his third spring. So uh, a great opportunity for Markel. And I think the safeties could be a real strength uh, for this defense because those two are kind of a yin and yang in, in how you view them. I mean, I know Deontay can hit, but he's got really good coverage skills. And I think Markel can play in the box. I mean, we know that he likes to, to stick his nose in and, he can get better in coverage too, but I, I think that he could be a pretty good downhill safety if needed. Dismuke is a good story too because he was a good recruit. Like he had a good yeah, rating. I mean, before the Cam Jones and and all of that, I mean, he was that guy. Yeah, I mean he he came in with some some a resume that suggested he could be a good player, but he kind of got lost by no fault of his own in the whole Calabasas thing because of the other guy, you know, the Keyshawns and the Jebias and all this stuff. And he's the he's the guy still standing, and so it's 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 kind of interesting that he got little talk about him when he arrived, but here he is. So, um, I I think he if he can get far enough down the road, that's the key. These guys, I feel like this spring for a lot of these guys is get a lead, you know, get get a like in the March Madness, it's like get a twelve play 15, from out in front. Yeah, get a twelve or fifteen point lead and make like. You know, Miles Farmer and Noah Pola Gates and guys like that try to track you down. In a but what if you're Rick Barnes? Well, maybe maybe Miles Farmer's that good. Maybe he's like. <laughs> so are you just calling Miles Farmer Iowa in this? What? Are, are we calling Miles Farmer Iowa? He's in like this? Bo Hannon shooting threes. Oh wow! I don't know if people. I don't are know if I don't know if that. Miles Farmer wants to be Bo Hannon. No, I don't think he does. And I don't think Nebraska fans want Miles Farmer to be Bo Hannon. We'll see if we can come up with a better analogy there. But, it wasn't uh, as good as the sock talk. We'll have to work on it. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the dismuke is interesting at that spot though, because I I feel like there is kind of some distance between those guys. I mean, as much as you want to talk about a a true freshman coming in and and being able to you know make their mark right away, I, I think it's it's somewhat rare that, that a guy will come in and do that. I mean, it, it's kind of the same story. I mean, I, I think your your metaphor holds um, for the running back room too. I mean, you, you're kind of if you're Jalen Bradley, you're you're really trying to you know pour it on early in that first half as much as you can before you know Ramir Johnson, uh, Tompkins, all those guys show up um, in, in the uh, in, in the summer because it's uh, you know this is 
you know, make or break time more or less for, for him. And I mean, Dismuke's kind of in that area too, I think. You know, it's kind of hit me over the head this spring and I've all, you've always kind of known it, but you're seeing it really with this team. There's certain position groups where it is so freaking hard for a new guy to come in and change the whole equation. And I look at tackle, and I don't count out Ben Hart. He's a, I mean, they're bringing him in here to see what he can do and compete. But let's say that Ben Hart really is that good. It's going to be interesting in August if they really want to shift what they've done all spring, where Farniok has basically stayed at right tackle for the most part. They're settling on some guards that they're building chemistry on. And it seems like it could be almost dangerous to mess with that cocktail you know, by the time you get to August. So, like, tackle's a spot where you're like, you think about, like, okay, Ben Hart can come and take that job, but then it's actually happening. It's like, that's tough, you know. And then middle linebackers the same way. Like, I have talked about Nick Henrich and Jackson Hanna maybe being able to come in and do that, but then you hear Colin Miller go on about all the responsibilities he has as a middle linebacker, and he's a fourth-year junior. And you're thinking, I don't know how a kid who's 18 just steps in and does all that right away. That's a lot to ask. With with Ben Hart especially, too, I, I would feel a lot better about the possibility that he comes in and makes an impact right away if he would have enrolled early. Yeah. Because you're, you know, thinking back to a guy like Tyler Moore who started as a true freshman, uh, you know, he was there already, went through a, a full summer, a full winter of conditioning. I mean, he, you know, ended up leaving, but the, I, I think you – especially at the line spots, you have to get some kind of a head start, I feel like, to, to really do that. I mean, you know, Ben Hart's a special talent, no doubt, but, I mean, it's one thing to, you know, be able to go through a full spring, and it's a completely different thing to line up for your first fall practice in August, and you're, you know, standing across the line from Ben Stilley at 280-some pounds, you know, ready to run right by you. It's funny that you say Ben Stilley, because I think he's one of those guys that, they can get more out of than they did last year. And he wouldn't necessarily be a surprise if he had kind of a jump as a player. Like, I think he's a good player. And I think that he can do more, and I know that he feels like he can do more. And that's maybe one of those defensive line guys that could have a nice season upcoming that we're kind of just sort of, yeah, it's Ben Stilley. You, you think you're going to get what you get. And, um, you know, it was his first year playing defensive end exclusively so i i almost wonder if we aren't building in maybe enough of a potential breakout from a guy like that uh i i think and and i don't know i might be alone I, I feel somewhat guilty in this that when a guy like ben stilly gets to the point where he's at i sort of just assume he is what he is mm -hmm. and a lot of that has to do with the lack of development we've seen from nebraska since i've been kind of covering this team and i need to remind myself every now and then that this is a different staff they had a lot of success with guys that they inherited at UCF. There's a chance that they could have some success with these guys, too, that they didn't necessarily recruit but are still here. And Ben Stilley strikes me as one of those people. Now, he has to adjust to a, or a different defensive line coach that might want different things. But I, I think he's one of those guys that you know probably doesn't get brought up enough as, as a potential breakout player. Yeah, it, it, your point about the – you do – I think we've almost kind of been trained, especially at the defensive line spot, to where, you know, a guy plays a little bit, and then that's – I mean, I, maybe that is an indictment on the development or lack thereof, where you almost – Well, just think about somebody like Freedom. Right. He's he's, just a, that's what I was thinking of. I, mean, I can't even say he plateaued because I felt like he got worse. 
I mean, is Carlos Davis also? An, I feel that way about the Davis twins as well. Khalil took a little step forward right. last year, but I mean that that's year two for that group will be very interesting. And and I get the feeling too that Nebraska defensively along the line is much more comfortable this year with mixing and matching guys because they're in better shape because they're stronger because that's you know what Mike Dawson always was trying to get to was that you know they wanted to be able to put a guy in at at nose if he could play it or move him out to to end just to get the best three or four guys on the field and I think that they're probably closer to being able to do that this year than they were last year not only because they've got more versatile guys um, but also just because they put in the work in the weight room and guys can hold up a little better I want to see it you'll know it's really a success when I was a kid Nebraska football would have a guy pop up and if you didn't this was back before there were recruiting sites and so you didn't know every every detail about every guy necessarily but there would be a guy like Steve Warren was a guy like in the 90s was just kind of there in, in the background and then suddenly was just a great player and they would have these guys that just developed behind the scenes and it's like you didn't net fan base didn't even necessarily know a whole lot about him when the first game started but then by the fourth game you're like man that guy's freaking pretty good as a junior and so that's exactly what you're talking about it's like you just you need to start seeing that where like Bo Wilson's an example on the O-line maybe like he he was a guy who kind of toiled a little bit and people maybe forgot about him for a split second and then last year he steps in and he's still got two good years ahead of him and so um, you're right, though. We're trained right now for like 20 years to think that that guy is who he is. Right. Who's the next guy? You know? Well, and I feel that way. I mean, you mentioned it when talking about inside linebacker and what you have to learn. Colin Miller is someone that uh, kind of fits that description, too, in part because he's bounced around a little bit, and you just kind of – I wrote him off. And I wrote him off in the sense that I, I actually – stupidly on my part thought it was going to be a little bit easier for guys like Jackson Hanna and Nick Henrich to get playing time and then you hear about what you have to do as an inside linebacker in this defense and the the sort of communication skills that you have to have developed and kind of almost a leadership and in some ways you have to have the locker room uh, and belief in what you're doing because I, I don't know if you know uh, a freshman can just go out there if guys don't trust him that they're going to be able to, to accept what he's calling out on, on given plays. So I think that's where a guy like Mo Berry has exceeded uh, expectations. Is that He's a very good vocal leader. He's a very good uh, communicator and field general uh, for those defenders. He has to get better at, in other aspects of his game. But uh, Colin Miller has, strikes me as someone that fits in that regard too. And I don't want to say a true freshman can't do it. I mean, you can find those special true freshmen who can uh, be on the fast track, and it can happen. But there's there's only a couple positions, I think, where it's real easy to – not easy to do, but you can see it more often. One of them's running back, which is good, since Nebraska needs newcomers to arrive and make a difference there. And Scott Frost has said that. he's He's been on the record. Like, that's one position where guys – it can be instinct and guys can pick it up in a hurry I think cornerback sometimes can be that way a little bit too you know you're kind of just trained through high school this is what I do I'm going to lock this guy down and you don't have to overcomplicate it in some ways so those are the two spots where I think sometimes you could see it but everywhere else it's pretty hard yeah well what other questions do we have kind of 
coming through spring so far as we go into basically halfway through the third week of actual practice. Is there anything else kind of jumping out to you guys that, that maybe stands out, um, questions that you might have as we get into these final, I don't know, what is six practices left? Six, seven? I mean, wide receivers still, to me, like who besides Spielman, let's figure it out a little bit. You know, it's kind of this jumbled group of names right now, but you can't tell who among those four or five names has is ahead of the pack. So I wonder if by the end of the spring we can get to the bottom of, is like Andre Hunt like a third receiver or is it Mike Williams or who is it? And you'd hope there's at some point some separation there. I think quarterback is interesting at the backup spot and just who's where and are they willing to say publicly who's where on April 13th when spring ball closes. And I don't know if they will be, but that's, that's going to be a question to me. And the Luke McCaffrey dynamic, he's picked up things so fast. Is, is he good enough that he can challenge for the backup job and you could use him in spot roles in key situations for four games without burning his red shirt? That, that new rule throws an interesting twist into conversations like that. That was uh, Mario Verduska was talking a little bit about kind of uh, McCaffrey's development in the uh, yesterday, I guess. Uh, and, and because Nebraska's in year two of this scheme and this offense, they are um, – basically installing significantly more than what they were a year ago. And he, he put it at about 30% more than what they did a year ago. And, you know, McCaffrey, his credit's been able to, to hold up pretty well with that. Um, I think they've been pretty impressed with his uh, approach. I mean, you kind of expect that, though, just based on who his family is. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, he's an interesting entrant into that that race because a lot of us maybe um, included saw him as kind of a developmental guy. It was just going to kind of sit it out and watch and learn. Uh, but, you know, from, from hearing, you know, what, what they're saying, it, you know, he, he's in, in the mix a little bit more, I think, than, you know, what, what people thought to his credit. A guy I was kind of, I was probably, I didn't say it out loud, but I, in my mind, I probably was unfair to too is Vedral. Because, I, I mean, I saw him play spring game, and he kind of struggled, and then he got in a game garbage time and wasn't real good, to be honest. And, you know, then you hear Mario Verduzco talk about it, and he didn't get that many reps. Mentally, he doesn't think he's going to play all year. He's just not really in that mindset. It's and, a totally weird year. Yeah, I think he's – so I think you have to have an open mind that he can be a different player than we've seen so far. I, I think just to, to kind of to wrap up some questions that we have, there's still, and, and it's kind of the elephant of the whole spring, running back. I mean, we don't know what that's going to look like when they play on uh, April 13th. We have no idea what's going to happen with Maurice Washington long term uh, for this team. He hasn't been involved much this spring. Jalen Bradley's had a nice spring. It feels like a lot of what Nebraska is going to count on at running back isn't on the roster yet. And that's kind of a little unnerving for what was, you could argue, behind Adrian Martinez. Maybe the most surprising thing about last year is how well Nebraska ran the ball and how they were able to scheme its running game. Yeah, and the, the Ryan Held, he has a lot of confidence. That, I mean, he has said, I think they can be better at running back mm -hmm. than a year ago, even with Ozigbo. 
which is a lot to ask. But I mean, that tells you what he thinks about the guys that are coming in. So we just first off, you got to make sure everybody gets in here. I mean, Dedrick Mills still had a little work to tidy up, and th- they've said that publicly. Uh, they think they're optimistic, but he's got to make sure that's a done deal. And then you know if if he if he gets here as expected, I think he changes the equation in a hurry. Just because you've got a guy with power five experience at least he's not just a juco guy who hasn't seen this level of play before all right well we're going to take a quick break here but when we come back we're going to hit on some recruiting for the first time in a little while discuss nebraska as their first official visitor locked in for the spring first time ever in program history so we'll have a little bit more on that their total number of official visits they have and then kind of what their recruiting plan looks like a little bit this spring Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, guys. Well, so I had a chance to, to catch up with Sean Becton and Ryan Held a little bit this spring and, and talk about Nebraska's change strategy in terms of recruiting. They were able to work ahead in the 2019 class, and both coaches said it really kind of opened things up for how they could approach January. And another thing that it did is it created a system in which they now have 12 to 13 official visitors available or official visits available to offer to visitors this spring. And they didn't have that last year. And you could talk to some of the coaches and they would say off the record, well, not really off the record, but they would basically say like it it hampered them a little bit in what they wanted to do. There were some guys that they never got to campus that they felt like they would have had some traction with if they could have gotten to Lincoln, but they, they just didn't have those visits. Now they do. And we know who the first one is going to be. And it'll be Nash Hutmacher, the nose tackle from Chamberlain, South Dakota. He's been to Nebraska several times. He had a great relationship with Mike Dawson. And so this is a big, big first test for Tony Tuioti uh, because he's going to have to kind of step into that role and you know really kind of help sell Nebraska. And they have a pretty good lead here. Um, I don't know if Wisconsin or Oregon represent Jordan Bohannon any more than maybe Miles Farmer did. <laughs> But uh, those are the two teams chasing, and, and Nebraska's getting the first official visit shot uh, with Hutmacher, and he told me that he's really looking forward to spending some time with the staff, Tuioti specifically, because there's nothing left for him to see. He doesn't need the game day. Uh, he wants to spend some time with players. So it's going to be a people thing that's ultimately going to make his decision. Nebraska's good with South Dakota boys. Got the track record. you got to think that one of the Farniaks would be his uh, visit host when he's here. Along with, you know, getting him around some of those defensive linemen. Hopefully, however it goes, people um, 
don't overreact about Tony Tuioti. Like, it feels like there's a lot riding on it, you know, perception-wise, because he's that first, he's that really known recruit that he's chasing. And so um, if he gets it, it'll be a monster for him because, you know, people will be just ecstatic about what he did to make sure they got him. But if he doesn't, which I I think they're going to get him, but if he doesn't, I, you know, hopefully people can take it the right way and see how this plays out over time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've laid some groundwork for some other potential nose tackles. Uh, they they have their, their plan Bs and Cs and Ds and whatever because that's recruiting. You have to do that. But I, I really think for – and I'm going to try as best I can to calm some of the fears about the, the relationship thing. Ryan Held has been recruiting – for Nebraska as it relates to Huttmacher. Eric Shenander has been recruiting for Nebraska as it mm-hmm. relates to Huttmacher. He's got a personal relationship with Scott Frost. So as close as he was with Mike Dawson, and as important as relationships are, you could make a pretty strong case that two of Nebraska's better recruiters in Held and Shenander, guys that are very personable, that we've all spoken with, that we get along with well, that you can see why they would be effective in those roles, in addition to a head coach who doesn't always take the same level of personal interest in every single recruit as he maybe has with Huttmacher, I, I think Nebraska is in pretty good shape. And so if Tuioti comes in, and from what we've heard, people seem to like him. He gets along with the staff. He's got you know good reviews from his players thus far. If he comes in and shows, here's what I was able to do at Cal. Here's what I've learned in my stops. And this is how I want to coach you and build you up. I just think that it it's going to be really hard for that to be the reason why it wouldn't ultimately be Nebraska. Maybe something else comes through. I don't know. But I, I think that the gap isn't as severe between the relationship that Dawson had and what Tuioti can help mm-hmm. bridge over because of those other coaches. Tuioti didn't get here by accident. I mean, they had a lot of choices for that job, and so he had to be able to communicate very well to this staff you know, why he should be the guy they picked. And then the brief times we've talked to him, he's, he's a, he's a very personable guy who can communicate very well. And he's not like talking to Corey Raymond or something where it was kind of a struggle off the bat. I mean, Tony Tuioti just, he, he connects well. He's, he'll bring up like a movie like 50 first dates in an interview or something yeah what'd you think about that i thought because i sent you that audio I just, uh, I just, you, did you know where that was going when he i yeah. assumed happy gilmore yeah it wasn't yeah he told his d-line to you know be like 50 for first dates where every day you got to prove yourself again and point being this is just his second time i think he was talking to the media he's he's loose enough to kind of just be a, a normal dude talking you know, how, how he normally does. And so I, I think he'll do well, and his track record suggests that he's going to recruit well. He connected well with Ty Robinson um, when he was at Cal. And, you know, so I, I, I think he'll do the same here probably. Yeah. Moving on a little bit, this week Nebraska, and it's Tuesday as we are recording this, this week Nebraska will host the son of NFL All-Pro wide receiver Musin Muhammad. Musin Muhammad III. He's visiting here Tuesday and Wednesday. I had a chance to talk with him on Monday night. Uh, real bright guy. Um, one of those guys I, I I could tell right away I was going to enjoy interviewing him because he just answers things a little bit differently, responds differently, engages in an interview differently. 
I was uh, I was pretty curious why a guy from Charlotte who seemingly could go anywhere. I mean, he's a four-star talent. We have him as the number 28 wide receiver in the country, which doesn't sound like that's all that impressive, but that's a top 150 player right now in the, the 24-7 sports composite. So uh, this is a guy with, with a lot of talent, would be a, a nice win as a wide receiver for Nebraska. I was curious, what what is it about Nebraska that, that has someone from Charlotte that seemingly could go anywhere all that interested and he said the offense, and it, it's kind of a no-duh situation. If you're a wide receiver and you saw what Traquan Smith was able to do at UCF and you saw what Stanley Morgan was able to do at Nebraska and the future wide receivers are going to see what I think is going to be pretty strong seasons from J.D. Spielman with some other guys chipping in and maybe the emergence of somebody like Wandale Robinson. And you know what Oregon has done with wide receiver. You just know this offense has the ability to create, and you see the quarterbacks that are involved. Nebraska's level of wide receiver interest is going to be higher than what it has been, I think, in the past, in part because of this offense. And it's just the sort of video game numbers that you can kind of put up. Like, I, I, I just think that more than any other time in recent memory, Nebraska has an offense that kind of recruits itself. I mean, you – you know, you don't have to squint real hard. This isn't 2010 where you're having to show highlights of Zach Lee trying to throw, you know, passes with a double tight end set to wide receivers and convince them that there's going to be great opportunity here. So I, I just think that whether it's somebody like Muhammad or not, Troy Walters has an opportunity to go out and get some good wide receivers uh, and build upon what I thought was a solid class last year that was helped out a lot by the move of Wandale Robinson going from primary at running back to to wide receiver. But I uh, I look at Muhammad, and I think that this is kind of the start of a trend. I think you're going to see a lot more guys that are in that sort of ranking echelon uh, end up visiting Nebraska, even though they're coming from places where they're flying over dozens of schools that would have made more sense. Well, if I'm looking at it as a recruit, I'm saying – I don't want football to be a chore. I mean, I know there's hard work involved and stuff in the weight room and all that, but when you get on the field, it's supposed to be fun. I mean, you're, that's the whole point of it. And that's the word since he was hired day one, Frost said football is going to be fun around here. And I think that's a, such a sim, simple thing to say, but I think people see it translate to the film. When you watch UCF two years ago, you're just like, this is a fun team to watch. I mean – uh, it, it, it felt like, uh, you know, they could score at any time. Any player could score on a 60-yard touchdown. And so that's that's what's so enticing to guys is they're not looking at a system where sometimes I think offenses, if a guy feels like I have to be one of the top two players in that offense to get the numbers I want and have the fun I want to have. And I think more recruits look at this offense and are convinced if I'm one of the top five or six guys – I can still get mine and, and, you know, put up a lot of yards doing so. And they're still trafficking off of the success they had at Oregon. I mean, that that's, yeah, absolutely. you know, it's still the, a part of that equation too. Um, kind of going back to, to what you were talking about with official visits, I think it's an intriguing conversation because in Nebraska, one of the things that they've sold for a long time or said for a long time across multiple coaching staffs is that that game day experience is, is, you know, is their top selling point that they can make to recruits. And it's going to be fascinating, I think, to see what kind of success Nebraska can have bringing in guys for official visits in the spring when you don't have, uh, you know, that game day experience. And then the spring game is fine. It's a great 
a great uh, event, but um, it, it just feels like there's there, there's different buzz um, game day wise. And, and I'm curious to know what you think about what, what they're going to be able to do in terms of not only just getting those guys there, because you're going to have to do that with some guys, but hanging on to them too through the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think the key here is that even though they have these official visits, they don't really want to use them. They're, they'll use them if they, they have to. If they're in the case like Huttmacher, they've already gotten the kid to a game twice. It doesn't really matter to them when he chooses to use his official visit and he wants to make his decision before the end of the summer, then you get it done. And But you're talking about a kid from maybe Florida that has never been to Nebraska they really want to see if there's an avenue that they can get them up here unofficially because they want him to visit the campus maybe when there's nothing going on and get him excited about Nebraska. And if he's not going to make his decision until September anyways, then you can bring him back out for a game. And so I, I'm, I'm fascinated because it's the first year where they actually have these that they can use. And I, I'm curious, you know, which guys are going to be ones that get official visits and which guys are going to be ones that, you know, pay their own way to come out or come out with, you know, a seven-on-seven team or whatever it is to see the place and then come back in the fall. Because Sean Becton spoke about this on Monday, and he basically said they really want to get guys out here for a second visit, and that second visit being the official one. So, again, he he said that they're not going to rule anything out. And especially you think about the financial ramifications of trying to get somebody from, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Florida to, to Lincoln. It's not that easy. Now, he did say one of the things they've had success with and one of the reasons why they think Georgia and Atlanta in particular has been successful, it's one of the most common direct flights from the South to Omaha and Lincoln. So they're able to sell that financially to families that if they want to come out and see Lincoln, and they, they can do it relatively cheap. They can get to Omaha or Lincoln direct. They don't have to mess with you know the layovers and the potential cancellations. And that, he said, as much as, you know, his own relationships and digging in and doing the work in Georgia has been as helpful as anything else. And so, you know, they're always monitoring what flights are becoming new and available in Omaha specifically because Lincoln hasn't added a whole lot throughout the years. Keep an eye on Orlando um, because that's one of the places that you can fly in direct as well. I mean, so it's one of those things that we don't think about that much, but it really does pattern how some of these unofficial visits can't work for them. So uh, I thought that was a really interesting conversation, but it all leads back to how they're going to use these official visits. And if they have, let's say they have 13, I don't even know if they use half of them. I really don't. And, and if they do, I would bet of the ones they do use over 80% are on their second visit, unless it's just guys that they can't get in any other way, shape or form and plan to make a decision early. Doesn't it seem like Nebraska could really kind of throw its weight around a little bit and, and get one of those direct flights to Lincoln? Like, I, that's, I've always, like, because all the staffs have said that. Like, you know, we need to get a direct flight from Dallas to, to Lincoln or whatever. I just feel like it's one of those things Nebraska needs to kind of sack it up. Seems and like get you're really to... advocating that they get somebody on the airport authority board. I mean, why not? Scott Frost should run. That's what he should do. <laughs> run for airport authority board. Football coach is good. Airport Authority Board that's, is better. That's real power. Well, I like the idea of us then in stories writing said Frost, head Husker football coach, <laughs> and head of the you, Airport you, Authority you Board. You suddenly have a lot of media attention focused <laughs> on those meetings. Yeah, you wouldn't even have to be have wouldn't even have to be Frost. Have like a, an assistant coach run for it. You're telling me you wouldn't vote for like 
Mario Verduzco or yes, like I, I would Greg Austin for, Mario would be my top for favorite. Airport Authority board. Is it just because you want the bio photo to go with it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that would be pretty good. Him posing in front of planes seems like it'd be pretty great too. I I'm just I'm the cigar. Just... Oh gosh, can you imagine? <laughs> like then all of a sudden his tagline is just taking flight with Mario Verduzco. Yeah, I. Why hasn't it happened? Yeah. You just have photos of Adrian Martinez posing with his arms crossed in front of planes, and it just says taking flight. Mm-hmm. Reduzco for Airport Authority Board. Yep. <laughs> I mean, we should be political operators. I know. Well, what else do we need to – I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, we've reached that point in the podcast. Bruns hasn't even put his hat on this time. No. Here's the thing. I see it in the bag. It made me laugh. I look left. I saw it. It in the looked back. like he moosed his hair a little, or so. I yeah. don't know. He, he's he might have a, something going on. He doesn't Maybe. want to mess with I, that. I got a baseball game to cover later. <laughs> Is there something going on today that you have to be involved with? I, I don't know. I don't know if anything's going on today. That's the problem. <laughs> something needs to go on today, but it's oh, not. Okay. All right. Well, with uh, with all that being said, if nobody has anything else they they really want to add here, no, I don't. I think then uh, we will conclude. This episode of the Husker 24-7 podcast, but first, we would like to remind you, be sure to visit the website. Plenty of great content on there. I will have an update from Muhammad after his his unofficial visit. We'll have updates from Hutmacher after his official visit on April 6th. I don't know if I said the exact date on that. That's a week away. Nebraska has a junior day coming up on Saturday. Right now, looks like it's going to be a little bit sparsely attended. Uh, we've confirmed a couple visitors that should be up throughout this week. Jordan Simmons, a running back out of Georgia, told me he's planning on being here this week, but he didn't think it would be for the junior day. And then Quandarius Robinson, a linebacker from Alabama, uh, is expected to be here Friday through Sunday, as reported from our Auburn site. So those are uh, some interesting guys. Quandarius Robinson would be the elite pass rusher you all dream of and covet. Uh, if Nebraska can pull that one off, that would be a very big recruiting win in the state of Alabama that would make a couple giants there notice pretty quickly, uh, maybe a little bit more than Cam Taylor and Logan Smothers has over the, the recent years. So uh, that, a little extra tidbits there. Be sure to check out everything on the site. Uh, you know, there might be some uh, coaching moves, potentially. So keep an eye on Husker 24-7.